Heavenly Father, we ask that you would indeed speak to us now. That we would know your presence with us. That we would know your keeping and your guarding. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've made it to the end of the summer holidays. We're at the August bank holiday weekend. Now, whether you've been all over the place or whether you've never made it farther than the back gate, this morning I want to invite you to come on a journey with me. Hope you've got some suitable footwear because there'll be some walking and some climbing involved and at times the journey won't be easy. We're all, all set, ready to go. But don't, don't worry if you're in your heels uh, or if you're not feeling particularly energetic this morning. We're going on a journey, but we're not going to leave our seats. You'll be glad to hear. You see, today's Psalm, Psalm 121, and if you turn back, you'll be able to see what I'm saying, that I'm not just making it up, that it's what the passage says, what the Bible says. But if you look at the top of Psalm 121, it's one of those psalms written and sung on a journey. If you look at the the title, the the superscription, the, the tiny capital letters just below Psalm 121, just above verse 1, you'll see that it says, A Song of Ascents. A song of going up. Going up to Jerusalem for one of the great festivals. See, all the the Jews, all the people of Israel were uh, instructed in the Old Testament that they had to go up to Jerusalem three times a year for the great festivals, Passover and Pentecost and uh, the Day of Atonement. And altogether there are 15 of these psalms, these songs of ascents from Psalm 120, which we also heard read this morning, through to 134. And if you've been following the, uh, through the Bible in a year, these are the psalms that we've been reading at this past week. The pilgrims are on a journey. They're excited to be going up to Jerusalem, up to the temple, up to God's presence. And yet they know that the way isn't easy. They know uh, that it can be a struggle. Because if you're ascending, if you're going up, then you've got those hills mentioned in verse 1. Now some people think that this is Zion's hill, that that the the writer looks up and sees the hill that Jerusalem sits on. As we sang in our last hymn, to Zion's hill I lift mine eyes. And if that's the case, then there's excitement and enthusiasm as the goal appears in sight. It's a bit like if you're driving to the Mourne Mountains from a kind of Bambridge direction and you go up through Rathfryland and you can see Rathfryland sitting on the hill for miles and miles before you ever come near it. I'm not sure that anyone's ever excited about going to Rathfryland 
in the way that they would, would be excited about going to Jerusalem. But it's that same picture. But the more that you look at the psalm, the more you think about the psalm, I think these hills are seen in a different light. It's not the excitement, there's our destination ahead. Just think for a moment, if if you're making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, there are no flights, you can't go by EasyJet or Air Israel or whatever the airline is. There are no cars, buses. You'll be walking. Walking along and, and up in front you see some hills. And you think, oh, how am I going to manage that? It's not like you know, walking on a nice level, smooth tarmac road. The way that will get steep. It takes more effort. You'll probably slow down as you're climbing at the hills. And you think, how am I going to get over those? You never know the dangers that might lie ahead. Who could be watching, lying in wait? Will I make it to where I want to go? Will I make it to journey's end? How will I get through? And that's why the question comes in the second half of verse 1. You see, it's, it's not two random statements that don't uh, sit together. Verse 1 uh, works together. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? You see, looking to the hills raises the question. This important question. And it might well be the question that you're asking yourself today. In this journey of life, what are the hills that lie ahead? Those things that you can see for miles ahead. Those difficulties that might lie ahead. And you think, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get over this? Perhaps it's exam results and a change of prospects. Maybe it's a letter from the hospital or from your GP. A diagnosis you weren't expecting and suddenly things aren't just as clear. Maybe it's a betrayal in a close relationship. Words of hate from someone you love. Whatever it might be, the the road ahead becomes rocky and rough. The hills rise before you and you're left asking that question. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Where can I find help? How would you answer that question? How have you answered that question in the past? You see, people try to find help in all sorts of places from all sorts of people. But there's only one answer to the question. There's only one real source of help for whatever hills we might be facing. Look at verse 2 to find the answer. 
My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In this answer we're told two things about the one who is our helper. The one who can bring help to us. The first is that he is the Lord. The capital letters Lord. That is the the covenant making, promise keeping God. The God who has bound himself to his people by his, by his promises. The God we can depend on. And as if that wasn't enough, he is also the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is a reminder that God made everything. That the particular hills that lay in front of the pilgrim were put there, were formed and shaped by the Lord. He is in control. What a comfort to know that the one we depend on made everything, knows everything and keeps his promise to us. In the rest of the psalm then, the ways in which the Lord helps us are spelled out in greater detail. And they're summed up in one word. The word that's repeated in nearly every verse. I wonder did you notice it as uh, Davy was reading the passage earlier. What is that word? Can anyone see? In verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, a form of it, verse 7, verse 8. What's the word? Keep. Keep. Brilliant. Keep. Or uh, the Lord is your keeper, verse 5. Now we might think of a goalkeeper, someone who keeps the goal, who Tries to keep the ball out of the net like Davy on a Thursday evening at McGuire's Bridge. Or another picture is of the you know the guy standing outside Buckingham Palace with the, the red coats and the, the big uh, bearskin hat. The guards. So let's see how the Lord helps us by keeping us. Firstly, at then in verses three and four. By keeping your feet. It says he will not let your foot be moved. That is your your steps will be firm and secure. Not slipping and falling as you walk over those hills. Those rocky paths. And you see this this is a a 24-7 keeping. It's not that God only keeps during office hours. And at weekends you have to. You know, just wait till Monday morning again. It says, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God watches over us and keeps us morning, noon and night. He never dozes off. He never drifts off. He's constantly caring for us. That was one of the ways that the prophet Elijah mocked the priests of Baal at Mount Carmel. 
Do you remember whenever Elijah set up the confrontation in, in 1 Kings 18? The confrontation with the 850 priests of, of Baal. There were two sacrifices. And the God who answered by fire was really God. And so these priests of Baal, they cry out from morning to noon. They cut themselves, they dance around, they shout, Baal, hear us, Baal, hear us. And nothing. No answer. No fire. So then Elijah encourages them to shout a little louder. He says, maybe your God is sleeping and he needs to be wakened. Maybe he's on a journey and he just can't hear you. Maybe he's busy in the bathroom. But our God never sleeps. What a great verse to remember during those long hours at night. My granny used to have a wee picture frame with the inscription, Give your worries to God at night. He'll be up anyway. There's no point you lying awake as well if if God is already up and, and able to deal with it. He will guard you through the night. What a great reassurance that whatever time of the day or night we pray or cry out to him, he hears, he answers, he keeps our feet, he keeps us on the way that we are to go. But there's more. He is also with us always. Look at at verse 5 and verse 6. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. You see, God isn't distant. He's not like a a CCTV operator watching from a distance to keep you safe. Rather, the closeness is, is right there, on your right hand. Think of a, a personal bodyguard. Someone right beside you, casting their shadow over you. There will be no harm from sunstroke or moonstroke. Fears real or imagined. God is our keeper. Our guard. And then the last two verses sum up the scope of the protection. You see, it's not just for a moment or two. Like uh, Superman who uh, hears a cry for help, who comes to your aid, but then he's dashing off to help someone else uh, to the next crisis. No, the Lord's keeping is forever, for all time And for all eternity. It says this. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out. And your coming in from this time forth. And forevermore. What a promise. To hold on to. Guarded and kept from now. And forever. So let me put this question to you once more. 
the question that this psalm uh, provokes. Where does your help come from? How do your other options or alternatives stack up against the Lord who made heaven and earth? I was reminded of the hymn Abide With Me, which puts it like this. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh abide with me. Where does your help come from? We see that this promise continues through into the New Testament in Jude's letter. The reading that we've heard today. Do you see how Jude describes those Christians who at first received the letter and also us here today? He says, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. God is in the security business. God will not let harm come to you. And that promise is affirmed and repeated and, and, and made even more certain at the end of the letter of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. You see, we're on a journey. Not to the earthly Jerusalem. We're, we're on a journey to the heavenly Jerusalem. To be with God forever. And as we set out on the journey, as we make the Lord our helper, so he will keep us, he will bring us safely to our destination. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where? Does my help come? My prayer is that you will be able to say today. My help comes from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Lord God our heavenly father. We thank you that you are the God who made heaven and earth. That you are uniquely qualified to be our helper and our keeper. We pray, Father, that we would know your helping and your keeping today and in the days to come. We pray that as we look at those hills, those problems, those things that would keep us from you. We pray that you would indeed keep our feet. That you would bring us to yourself. And this for your glory and the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.